welcome to the Splat Zones Pokemon Corner. We are a video cast slash podcast dedicated to bringing you the best Pokemon-related topics. I am your host, Nice1983. And I'm your co-host, Mario After Party. And guys, we are back with yet another Pokemon Corner. Uh, big news dropping this week. We've got six new Pokemon. We've got five returning Pokemon in ways that you've never seen. Um, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to break this trailer down for you, this brand new Pokemon Sun and Moon trailer. And on top of that, we're going to go ahead and give you our week three and week four Pokemon Go updates. So another big, fun, Pokemon-related episode. We're swagged out. We're ready to go. After party. You ready to do this? Hell yeah. All right. So we got six brand spanking new Pokemon, bro. And I am, I'm, I'm excited for a few of these. I'm, I really am. There, I wasn't expect. It seems like we're getting them in sixes. Like every time we get six brand new ones, but this one's came with like a little bonus because one of those six has multiple forms. So we might as well just start with the first one, uh, and that's Fomantis. Uh, it's a grass type Pokemon. It's kind of cute. All right, so let's go. I'm going to read this description. Well, then we'll go ahead and break it down like we always do. Fomantis is nocturnal, and it performs photosynthesis while it sleeps during the day by spreading out its leaves in all directions. Because of the dangers of staying in the same location two days in a row, Fomantis begins its search for the next day spot as soon as the sun sets. For Fomantis, photosynthesis, say that three times fast. It's not just a source of energy, but it is necessary to achieve the strength and brilliant coloration of its evolved form. Photosynthesis is precious to Fomantis, and it will fiercely attack those who get in the way of that process. Fomantis excels at long-range attacks like Razor Leaf and Solar Beam. Solar Beam is indeed a powerful move, but since it uses up the energy that the Pokemon has stored through photosynthesis, photosynthesis, Fomantis rarely uses it. Guys, I have always hated the word photosynthesis, especially if you say it fast. It just sucks. <laughs> but uh, its ability is Leaf Guard, not really a new ability. It's still a very cool-looking Pokemon, though. It's, you know, it's the bulb on the top of its head sort of reminds me of Bulb. Sorry, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. So, Fomantis evolves. So, After Party, why don't you go ahead and get us the description for the evolved form of this Pokemon? So it evolves into Lurantis, um, which is still maintain maintains the grass type. And Lurantis draws opponents near to itself with its flower-like appearance and aroma. And then it takes them down. It's said to be the most gorgeous of all grass-type Pokemon due to its brilliant coloration and elegant moves. Lurantis's appearance is maintained through detailed grooming. It will trust a trainer who does a good job of caring for it, but it will apparently have a difficult time growing closer to a lazy trainer. Lorantis can learn Solar Blade, a move that releases a blade-shaped beam to mince up its foes. The blade is so sharp that it is said it can slice a rock in half. Solar Blade is a move that no Pokemon has been able to learn before. With Solar Blade, Lorantis absorbs energy from the sun on the first move and then unleashes a powerful attack on the second turn. So it's similar to Solar Beam, it would appear. Lorantis is the totem Pokemon of Lush Jungle, the site of 
an Akala Island trial. It will overwhelm trial, goer, trial goers with the powerful combos it unleashes and with the Pokemon allies it calls. So this is going to be one of the Pokemon that you have to fight in the game to um, pass the trials, which um, is something that we're going to get into a little bit later. But it... Um, on your, you know, we'll get into our, our theories on that as well. But um, basically, basically, just to give you a quick preview, um, before you're allowed to go from one island to the next, you've got to pass a trial, and you've got to take on the totem of that um, island, which the totem would be a Pokemon that is in charge of it, and you've got to defeat it. So kind of giving one of them away, which is Laurentis. See, I like these two Pokemon. First off, it seems like we haven't just had like a singular type Pokemon in this set. I mean, all, of all the Pokemon they've revealed um, since, you know, Sun and Moon was announced, they've all been, you know, dual types. So it's nice to see like a pure grass type Pokemon making it to the list. I also, Solar Blade sounds badass. I mean, it, it does sound like maybe an upgraded version of solar beam i mean it literally sounds exactly like solar beam uh just in blade form so <clears throat> yeah very I, cool i mean i i like the fact that it's a singular type as well but um and it knows a a new move which um i don't know how much different it's going to be from solar beam but uh we'll see it's still a a grass move that needs to be charged up but, uh, more of a physical attack than maybe, you know, a special attack. Right. Uh, that might be the difference. But I'm not really impressed with the designs for um, these two Pokemon. They they just look like something that we've already seen before. It's kind of a little lackluster for me. And the designs in Sun uh, for all the Pokemon in Sun and Moon have, you know, by far been some of the best in the series. Um, but these two, I'm just, I'm not feeling them. See, I was actually surprised when I saw that Laurentis was a singular type because it looks like a prey mantis. Right. So, so I'm, I'm, when it, when I was like, oh, it's just a grass type, that, that had me tripped. I thought Scyther had to run for its money there, man. <laughs> Moving on, we have Gumshoes, which is the evolved form of Yongoose. So Gumshoe's method of targeting prey is the exact opposite of Young Goose's strategy. While Young Goose prowls around, Gumshoe stakes out its prey's usual routes and waits patiently for it to come by. Man, this Pokemon's a dick. Gumshoe has a tenacious personality, which is why it targets one prey for so long without wavering. But when the sun goes down, it runs low on stamina, falling asleep right on the spot. Gumshoes can withstand a great deal of hunger. It's able to stay perfectly still while waiting for its prey keeping watch without eating a thing. So basically, this just looks like old man version of Yongoose. Like, again, uh, this is the Pokemon on this list that feels a little uninspired to me. It's it's just like Yongoose standing on its hind legs in the old man pose, arms behind his back. Looks like a crotchety old uh, Clint Eastwood Pokemon. Yeah, it's my lawn. It's almost like when you evolve Young Goose, he like evolves and ages at the same time. <laughs> Get off my lawn. That's that's all I can see when I look at this crotchety old Pokemon. Um, 
Its ability is Stakeout and Strongjaw, of course. And it's still, you know, it maintains its normal typing that it had as Young Goose. Uh, it looks like in the trailer that this Pokemon was able to call forth other Pokemon. So it's definitely one of the totem Pokemon that we see. We'll get into that a little bit later, though. So moving forward, after party, give us the description for Minior. All right, Minior. It's a pretty interesting Pokemon. It's rock flying. And Minior are formed in the stratosphere and live by absorbing the detritus around them. Detritus is just like rock particles or debris. Uh, when they've consumed a large quantity of particles, their bodies become heavy and they fall towards the planet's surface. Minior has a hard and heavy outer shell with the core inside it. The Meteor Pokemon seems to be made in such a way that if its shell breaks, it becomes lighter and can deal out quick, quick attacks. When its shell breaks, the core in its center is revealed. You won't know what color will appear until this happens. Minior has the new Shields Down ability. With, shields down abil with the Shields Down ability, it will have excellent defensive capabilities as long as its shell is intact. It will also be protected from status conditions, which is actually a very nice ability. Mm -hmm. um, but when the HP drops below half, its shell will break and it will change to a form better suited to attacking. So that's that's actually, um, a, I like this Pokemon, because, you know, in the, when you first start battling with it, it's it's got, um, you know, the Shields Down ability will is very defensive, and um, it's going to protect you from all status conditions. And then once you get below half and you start to get a little desperate all of a sudden it turns into an offensive pokemon and um i think that can definitely be used very well in battle and then um it says that you won't know what color its core is so there's a little description about its core um once its shell breaks off Minier's uh Minier's core will change color depending on the particular color of the debris it has absorbed its pastel coloration has a cute look, so this Pokemon is often used as a design motif for clothing and accessories. And then it shows four different colors here. It's uh, blue, pink, orange, and a greenish yellow. I don't know if there's any um, differences between the colors. It doesn't say. But overall, it uh, seems like a pretty cool Pokemon. Yeah, I'm actually liking this one a lot. It's a... Uh... It's the most unique of the the six that were unveiled, in my opinion, as far as its its capabilities. Uh, very cool. I like I like the way it looks outside of the shell. Um, I love the fact that you know it, it it's basically weak against the type that it is because it's a rock flying, which you know would give it a sort of disadvantage against other rock Pokemon. Very cool. So the, the very contrasting. Um, um, types for this particular Pokemon, but I like its design a lot. This is one of the best Pokemon that they've unveiled since they started showing these new Pokemon off for Sun and Moon. Really digging it. So moving on, Mudbray. So obviously this is the pre-evolved form of Mudsdale. Uh, very strange looking Pokemon. It looks like a donkey. 
so it's obviously a ground type Pokemon, and Mudbrake could once be found all over the world, but it was overhunted and ended up on the verge of extinction. It is said that the Alola region is the only place in the world where Mudbrake can still be found in the wild. Mudbrake boasts superhuman strengths, a surprise, considering its small body. Mudbrake can carry loads up to 50 times its own weight on its back or dragging behind it. Mudbrake loves playing in the mud. It's easy to live in harmony with this Pokemon as long as you provide an environment where it can play around in the mud. If it can't frolic in the mire, however, Mudbrake will become stressed and may stop listening to orders. So, similar to what I said, it's, it's a donkey, and if you don't provide it with the things that it, necessar- that it needs, it's stubborn, like a donkey. Uh, kind of like it. Of course, this has the same... Um, abilities as Mudsdale with own tempo and stamina. So, you know, it doesn't seem to be any better than its evolved form, or to be fair, its evolved form doesn't seem to be any better than Mudbray. It's pretty much going to be limited to just a power boost for this for this Pokemon when it evolves. I, I kind of like the design. I like how it it's a very contrasting design to Mudsdale. Like, color scheme might be similar, but it's evolving from a donkey into like a Clydesdale. So, so it's a weird evolution for this particular Pokemon. Yes. All right, guys. So now we come to the fun part. Uh, we have one more Pokemon, but it has multiple styles. So after party, go ahead and give us the description for Oricorio Baile Style. Yes. Oricorio Baile Style which I'm assuming comes from the Spanish word bailar, which means to dance, is um, one of the four dancing Pokemon that was revealed. Essentially, it's just one Pokemon, but it has four different forms, depending on which island um, you discover it on in Alola. Um, so, Oricorio is a fire-flying type, and let me get into its description. All right, so Oricorio changes its form by sipping the nectar of certain flowers. Since it has four different forms, the same as the number of islands in Alola, it would seem that different Oricorio live on each of the islands. The Baile style Oricorio is very passionate and power fills its body when it dances. It sends down it sends downy fluff flying during its intense dances. By igniting this fluff, it can unleash a fiery dance attack. Oricorio has the new dancer ability that no other Pokemon has had before. If another Pokemon in the field uses a dancing move, then Oricorio will be able to use the same move immediately. Afterward, thanks to its dancer ability, Revelation Dance is a move that only Oricorio can learn, and its type changes based on Oricorio's current style. So, I'm assuming that this is to give Oricorio synergy with the other three forms, um, so that way you can use four different, um, types to attack with. Um, and it's, it's definitely, uh, the fire version or a uh, style. It's definitely modeled off of the uh, Spanish flamenco dance. It has a similar, um, style and, uh, not just visually, but when you watch the trailer, it dances. Um, with the flamenco style, um, and you know, it seems pretty interesting to me. You want to go ahead and read the 
the next uh, Oricorio? I do. I'm going to go ahead and give you Oricorio pom-pom style. Clearly, she's based off the American cheerleader style. Uh, she's got her wings with little pom-poms at the end. She's kicking like a cheerleader. Uh, very perky. So uh, pom-pom style is an electric flying type. Also has the ability dancer and Mara after party bread. A couple of these parts already, so let's just slide on down. The pom-pom style oricorio is very friendly towards people, and it uses dancing to encourage trainers who are feeling glum. When it dances, its feathers are charged with static electricity. It can attack with these charged feathers, and sometimes it unleashes a powerful electric shock. So it also has the ability dancer. Mario After Party broke that down for us. So let's just break down the pom-pom style. Like I said, very American cheerleader style. And even right down to its description, if people are feeling you know, gloomy, you know, this Pokemon is there to pick up their spirits. You know, essentially performs the function of a cheerleader at a football game when the home team is getting their ass the want. Yeah, uh, she's my favorite one of the four uh, Oricorios. I, I like pom-pom style. I like it too, simply because, uh, you know, aesthetically it looks great, but, you know, mostly because it's a, an electric Pokemon and, you know, electric Pokemon, they get shafted. And I always want, you know, the more electric Pokemon, the better. <clears throat> Specifically, since we always know that Pikachu, as cute as it is, uh, they're not really viable. Uh, what's the what's the Pikachu Pokemon in this game? Um, Torigo. Torigamaru or something? Togetamaru, Togetamaru. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, as cute as Togetamaru is, I feel like it will not be viable because it falls into the the Pikachu category where, you know, they, they do a good job of propping it up, making, you know, you know, they'll put it in the anime just like they did with Pachirisu and Dedene, and it'll be in the forefront, but we know that as far as in-game, it'll be useless. So I'm excited to, you know, hopefully the Oricorio is a Pokemon that is, you know, viable within the game. You know. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of been a mixed bag as far as the form-changing Pokemon of the past generations. You know, you have Pokemon like Burmy who change color and type, um, but it was never really a good Pokemon to use in battle. Um, however... In the last game, X and Y, you had uh, Fru Fru. Yes. And, you know, I really like that Pokemon. It was, even, even though it was just a normal type, uh, Fur Fru was surprisingly good. I think I still used it um, all the way to the end. And um, I just, you know, even though changing its haircut didn't actually change anything about the Pokemon other than its look, it was still pretty cool to to change it aesthetically and um they you know for it just being a normal pokemon that does not evolve it was still pretty powerful it knew good moves and uh you know i was surprised and i that was one of my favorite pokemon from the last generation so i'm hoping that um oricorio is also a pokemon that you can uh use in battle but because of the synergy that it's supposed to have with the other oricorios um, you know, based off of the ability, I'm going to guess that it's it's going to be one of those Pokemon that's probably best suited to um, double battles or maybe the uh, rotational battles. I don't, I don't know if it's really going to be good in a 
you know, six on six. But we'll see. You know, it might be useful in a battle royale where you can you have the ability to team up with opponents. It could. It could. I mean, it only pay off for so long because eventually, you know, you're after, you know, all these opponents. But it seems like it could be sort of useful there. What's the next style? The next Oricorio is the Pa'u style Oricorio, which is definitely of, a, you know, a Hawaiian um, style dancer. It's a psychic flying type. And the description states that the Pa'u style Oricorio acts at its own pace, which sometimes makes it difficult to deal with. It sharpens its spirited moves through dance, which increases its psychic power. It's said that this dance expresses its gratitude to the guardian deity Pokemon. Um, you know, looks pretty cool. Uh, not my favorite of the of the three, but you know, it's psychic, so we all know psychic Pokemon are usually pretty strong. See, what I like about this is we all know that the Alola region is Hawaii. You've got your hula dancing bird here, but when you think about Hawaii, you always, you know, when people who, you know, my uh, my sister-in-law, she she lives in Hawaii currently, and she's, you know, I was talking to her at a wedding not too long ago, and she brought up that it's mad chill in Hawaii, like people are mad laid back. The Pau style Orokorio definitely, at least what its description would lead you to believe that this Pokemon is very laid back and chill. And then it just pays homage to the, you know, the classic hula hula girl that, you know, you see in, like, all Hawaiian, like, folklore and uh, and film. You know, you see all that. I, I'm, I'm really kind of digging, like, the, 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 the aesthetics that they chose for this Pokemon. And last but not least, we have one more Oricorio before we move on to the, the Gen 1 uh, revisions. So we have Oricorio Sensu style. Very uh, Japanese influence. She looks like a geisha. Uh, yeah, does look like a geisha. So right down to like the the feathers that look like fans. I'm... Okay, before we even read the description, all the Oricorios have great design. Like you know the Mudbray and you know the, the what was the first Pokemon we did in this episode? Um, the grass Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, d design-wise, those Pokemon felt uninspired, but the Oricorio, these birds have swag. They do. I, I like all of the birds, you know, um, as far as my favorite, it's still Pom Pom, but, you know, Sensu's probably my second favorite. Um, you know, it's got pretty colors. It's Ghost Flying, which, you know, I think my favorite Pokemon like out of all the types is probably ghost. So I've, I've always liked ghost Pokemon. And the fact that we have like a bird now that's a ghost, it's pretty cool. I don't think we've ever had a bird ghost Pokemon before. I don't think so either, to be fair. So the Sensu style Oricorio is quiet and collected. By means of its dance, it gathers the spirits drifting it about in the area and borrows their powers to fight. People who migrated from Kanto feel a great liking for this Pokemon because its dance reminds them of their homeland. Um, just break it down. That's just we all by now we should all know that the Kanto region is based on the Kanto version of Japan, um, and it's very nice to to see how they you know they take that that mythology 
of the real world and blend it into the world of Pokemon. You know, Japanese people actually really are fond of the Hawaiian culture as a whole. So it's very cool to, to see some kind of linking between the real world and, and the game world mentality. I like I like I like that. And I like these birds, man. These these are some of my favorite Pokemon revealed in Sun and Moon thus far, man. Yeah, we've had some good ones uh, this in this um, update. It's definitely been uh, very crazy, some of the Pokemon they've re- uh, released to us. Um, just the fact that, you know, we're going to be getting into Alolan forms of Gen 1 Pokemon now. Yes. And so, with that, let's, let's just transition, man. Yeah, like, you, you know, this... Now, when I first read about this, um, you know, there were people who were criticizing it, saying, well, look, Nintendo's run out of ideas. Now they're just taking old Pokemon and giving them new forms, and that's lazy. But I disagree, because I think um, taking some of the fan favorites from Gen 1, uh, which so far they've done uh, Sandslash, Sandshrew, Vulpix, and Ninetales. And Executor. And Executor. Um, and giving them new forms, new types, and kind of giving them a, a whole new look. Um, not only has that not been done before either, but it it kind of, um, you know, just builds upon the original Pokemon. And it makes it a little bit more interesting than it was before bringing it back like that and we already have you know way more pokemon than we need i mean the number of pokemon um this game has now is is got to a point where it's it's a little bit too much you know we're over 800 pokemon so you know over 800 pokemon it would be really hard for for just one person to be able to remember every single one um and so I think it's a good idea to kind of go back and just refresh some of the older ones, especially some of the ones that were favorites from previous generations. So let me go ahead and read you a Lowland Sandshrew. Actually, before we do that, I just I, I want to add to that real quick. Um, first off, I'm digging these new forms, and my my real knowledge of all these Pokemon stops after 152, which is Togepi, you know. Well, well, not really Togepi, but, you know, you know, we had our 151, and then we had Togepi. That's legit where my knowledge of, like, my deep knowledge of Pokemon ends. Uh, secondly, man, Pokemon Go has completely revitalized, like, our passion for the original 151. Like, it really has. So I like the fact that, you know, they're building upon like those nostalgic feelings we have now that we're all like balls deep into Pokemon Go. Like our nostalgia is at its highest right now. And bringing these Pokemon back with alternate forms is the best way to keep that nostalgia going, in my opinion. Like I'm digging, really digging these new forms. And I'm really happy to see some of these Pokemon back, even in these new forms. Like I'm, you know, and... It's just, like I said, it's a good way to just build upon the nostalgia that we currently have for Pokemon that Pokemon Go has, like, revitalized. So go ahead and uh, give us the description for this 
first new form. Right. So the Alolan Sandshrew is an ice steel type Pokemon, very different from its original form. Sandshrew have historically lived in desert areas, but the frequent eruptions of nearby volcanoes drove the Sandshrew to abandon the desert and migrate to snowy mountains where they took on this form. Sandshrew's body changed to adapt to the harsh environment of the snowy mountains. The Alolan Sandshrew has a shell of ice covering its skin, which is like hard steel. It excels defensively but lacks flexibility and can't curl its body into a ball like a ground-type Sandshrew can. Its heavy weight makes the Alolan Sandshrew slower than a normal Sandshrew, but the claws on its hands and feet allow it to move across ice without slipping. When it wants to move quickly, it uses its stomach to slide across the ice like a curling rock. First off, this is the first time outside of the Olympics that I've heard anybody reference curling. Um, I guess it's apropos since the Olympics are starting soon. Um, second, I love this. I love this design for Sanshrew. Um, it, you know, it definitely looks like a Sanshrew. It, it has that Sanshrew appeal, but it's like Sanshrew got trapped in an igloo. And I'm digging it, man. And Sanshrew is one of my all-time favorite Pokemon. And there's a little story behind that. Um, and it's it's quick. But the reason Sanshrew is one of my favorites is, you know, back in 1998, my first run-through of Pokemon Blue, um, I had a Sanshrew, a level 5 Sanshrew. And, you know, I got to Lieutenant Surge's gym, and I'm like, oh, snap. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wreck this guy. Thinking, you know, because I had beaten Brock and I had beaten Misty, you know, with relative ease. You know, with my Pikachu and my, you know, my Pidgeotto and my, you know, my my Butterfree. I, you know, wrecked, wrecked through the whole team. I basically had an Ash Ketchum team back in the day. Damn anime. Lie to me. All right, well, I get to Lieutenant Surge, beat all his little sub trainers, and then Surge wrecks me. Literally wrecks five of my Pokemon. And all I have left is a level five Sandshrew that I haven't trained yet because I just caught it. That level five Sandshrew beat the Raichu that Lieutenant Surge had because none of the electric attacks worked on it. And I was like, I can't believe I just won this gym with a level five Sandshrew. I was like, best Pokemon ever. And from that time on, Sanshu, one of my favorite Pokemon, period. Funny little story. I sucked back then. See, this is why you have to learn to embrace the grind. When it comes to Pokemon, embrace the grind. Level 5 Sanshu. Hey, whatever works. <laughs> all right. So we all know that Sanshu evolves, and it evolves into Sandslash. But since this is the Alolan Sandshrew, it clearly evolves into an Alolan Sandslash. It's also an ice steel type. It has the ability Snow Cloak. The Alolan Sandshrew of the Snowy Mountains evolve into Alolan Sandslash with spiny backs that are covered in ice. Thanks to their icy coating, these spines are large and sharp. Alolan Sandslash hide themselves in the snow when strong enemies appear, leaving only their needles exposed and ready for business. 
The weight of the ice that covers its body makes these alone sand slash heavier than normal sand slash, and this causes them to be slower. Yet, in the snowfields and on the ice, they move by creating a path with their claws, and so they're able to move with swiftness. The sprays of snow kicked up by the Alolan Sandslash's movements are so beautiful that many photographers head to the snowy peaks to capture the moment. However, Sandslash lives deep in the mountains and there's great danger of becoming stranded, so it's forbidden to climb the mountains without permission. I think there's a couple things we can infer, not just from the Sandslash uh, description, but also for the Sandshrew description. Even though it would appear that the Alola region is a tropical climate, the mountains go, you know, you know, there at least one island within the region is is you know cold enough to be snow covered. So imagine what other ice type Pokemon we'll be able to to find within that section of the game. Second, again, these the design of this sand slash is brilliant. It it's really brilliant. I mean, it looks like sand slash, but there are some. So there are some, you know, minor changes, you know, obviously the spikes don't reflect the ground typing of the original sand slash and the claws, the claws are uh, jagged. So I think, you know, I, and, you know, clearly, you know, that's uh, to show how it can move in the, in the ice within the game. Very cool design, man. Like I'm really glad to see these throwback Pokemon getting this kind of treatment and the typing is great, man. You know, and a sand slash and a sand shrew with ice steel typing. Yes, more of these, please. Yeah, definitely. You would you would be able to have both of them on your team, and that would be a pretty good combination. Exactly. All right, let's go ahead. And let's let's keep on going with these uh with these Alolan forms. All right, so our next Pokemon is Alolan Vulpix. Um, it also has the ability Snow Cloak, um, which all of the uh, the new ice versions of the Alolan Pokemon have. Um, I wish they would kind of explain what Snowcloak does, but that's okay. It is said that Vulpix came to the Alola region together with humans, but the fox Pokemon moved to the snowy mountain peaks to avoid the normal habits of other Pokemon, and thus it ended up taking on this form. These Alolan Vulpix live on high mountains that remain covered in snow year-round. They live in small packs of two to five individuals helping one, one another survive. Alolan Vulpix can freeze anything solid by expelling breath at a temperature of negative 58 degrees Fahrenheit. Negative 50 degrees Celsius for those of you in countries that use the metric system. From its mouth. It does not fare well in the heat but when the temperature gets too high, it produces ice from its tail to lower the surrounding temperature. So I like the art form for the Vulpix. It's really cool. It's just kind of like a, you know, whited out version of the original. Um, definitely got a, a very pretty look to it, like the original, but um, in its own way. Oh, yeah, definitely. the. Uh, I like the, the, the minor changes to the Vulpix design really kind of helped revitalize it in my opinion. Now, Vulpix is, you know, a classic Pokemon, just straight up classic. Like you, you see this Pokemon and like you get those, you know, those warm fuzzy feelings about it. I like the changes to the hairstyle. Uh, definitely like the white pelt that it has. 
to go a little bit further, the snow cloak ability is actually from Generation Four. Um, so it has a so basically from Generation Five onwards. During hail, the evasion of a Pokemon with this ability is now increased by 25%. So, you know, definitely not a new ability. You know, had to check it out. I, I, I was pretty sure I had a Pokemon with it in X and Y, so I had to go back and... Well, thank you. I I, uh, I was wondering if that was new or old, but uh, now we know. So, awesome. So, uh, I just want to preface the next Pokemon by saying that um, the Alolan Ninetales design is without a doubt my favorite Pokemon so far of all the new Sun and Moon Pokemon. This Pokemon looks amazing. So go ahead, nice one. Tell them about it. Oh, man. Yeah, Ninetales. Alolan Ninetales. It is an ice fairy type. So, we again, we're back with dual types. Uh, definitely a unique dual typing, by the way. I don't think we've had ice fairies before, so totally digging it. So, the Alolan Ninetales lives on a snowy peak that is revered in the Alola regions as a holy mountain. They are treated as sacred emissaries, and people meet them with awe and fear. This Pokemon's personality is extremely gentle, and at times it has helped humans who seem to be in distress. However, it shows no mercy at all to anyone or anything that dares to damage its territory. The Alolan Ninetales is able to produce ice crystals from the fur that covers its body. It can use these ice crystals to block attacks, or it can form balls of ice with them, which it fires like bullets at opponents. The power of these ice missiles is great enough to polarize rock. It is a beautiful design. Uh, out of all of the, you know, the Alolan forms that we've seen up to this moment, with the exception of Executor, this is the most unique of, of the designs. You know, the Sandshrew looks like a Sandshrew. The Vulpix looks like a Vulpix. And Sandslash looks like a Sandslash. But the Ninetales is fucking brilliant, dude. It looks like a snow goddess. <laughs> it does. These... Man, okay. Before we even move on to the next Pokemon, I, I have to say, the moment I saw these Pokemon in the trailer, like, I was overjoyed. I was legitly overjoyed because, you know, we're all playing Pokemon Go right now. Every single one of us who's on this show and is listening to this show, we're 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 Pokemon Go fans, and you know we're we're getting to this point where we, you know, if you're a new player, you're experiencing the original 150 for the first time. If you're a returning player, you know, you're so happy to see these Pokemon again, you know, in the way that you're seeing them. Um, Literally, what Pokemon Sun and Moon has done is taken my feelings, you know, like this nostalgia that I'm feeling, and revitalized it. And, you know, they've altered it. And, you know, I'm really happy to see these Pokemon back. And not just back in the capacity that they've been back in other games. You know, we've been, you know, we've, we've always had the ability to bring Pokemon from previous generations into the newer generations. That's, you know, that's old hat. This is this is how you do it. This is how they keep revitalizing the Pokemon franchise. This is how they keep this franchise alive. You know, and anybody who's talking crap about it now, guarantee you when they get this game, they're going to be hunting all over the place for these alternate forms because you're just a damn liar if you're not excited about these forms. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, these new forms and all the new features they're adding to Sun and Moon make me feel like it has a shot at being the best generation ever. And with all the excitement going on with Pokemon Go and then Pokemon Sun and Moon, I feel like 2016 is year of the Pokemon. I mean, it is, you know, the 20th anniversary and they're definitely doing it big, man. It, you know, I, I, just, I have to say, last year was Mario's 30th anniversary. You know, the 30th anniversary of the Super Mario Brothers franchise. And I feel like it was understated. I feel like they didn't do enough. Yes, there was Mario Maker, which was a great game, but I don't feel like Nintendo truly capitalized on on the marketing and, and the promotion in the same way that the Pokemon company has for, you know, Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, and with, you know, Pokemon Go and Pokemon Tournament, like we've had, and the re-releases, we've had so many things that they've given us this year. I mean, yeah, we're spending money on it, but... You know, I haven't regretted buying any of the things that have come out this year that are Pokemon related. Like, it truly feels like a celebration of not just, you know, Pokemon the game, but as me being a trainer for the last 20 years. You know, I, you know, I know that's like a strange thing to say. Maybe less strange now that Pokemon Go is so popular and we all kind of feel like Pokemon trainers. But I, you know, it's, it's a celebration of the trainers who play Pokemon and love Pokemon. So I'm definitely excited, you know, for the, for the remaining, you know, time that we have left in this anniversary. So, yeah, just glad the Pokemon company has been doing it big like they have. All right. With that, we will move on to our next Pokemon, which is the Alolan form of Executor. Now... When I saw the Alolan form of Executor, I was like, what the hell did they do to Executor? Oh, my <laughs> God. Because if you look at Executor, it looks like he became part of the Cayenne tribe in Myanmar, where they have where they force the women to wear brass rings to uh, elongate their necks. It's like they did that to Executor. And I was like, oh, my God. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> seriously what did they do to him but you know uh, I when I thought about it I was like okay it makes sense because he does look more like a palm tree now and it's more tropical but still like this Pokemon um, it's an that, abomination it, it really is it's like a horrible team rocket experiment gone wrong but I'm gonna read it to you anyway so He's a grass dragon type, which I like. That's pretty cool typing. Um, and then the description is, the environment of the Alola region, where strong sunlight pours down all year round, brought about this change in Executor's form. Yeah, right. The people of Alola boast that the Alolan Executor is the true form of Executor. Unlike other Executor, the Alolan Executor has a fourth head on its tail. The fourth head controls the tail independently and can take on opponents to the rear that can't be reached by the main heads' attacks. This Pokemon excels at whipping its long neck like a lash to attack with its hard heads. But that neck can sometimes become a weakness, dot, dot, dot. And, uh, I mean, like, 
I get it. It's supposed to look like a palm tree, but man, it's got like three heads up on the palm tree. It's got a head on its tail. It's, I mean, it's got, you know, heads everywhere. I don't know what's going on with this Pokemon, but I mean, what are your thoughts? I kind of dig it, man. I'm liking the palm tree. Um, you know, and considering, you know, it kind you know, when, when Executor evolves from an Execute, it kind of loses a couple of heads. So I'm kind of glad to see that it gets one of them back. Uh, and again, like, to go back, you know, I'm, I've been playing so much Pokemon Go, and one of, like, the key members of my Pokemon Go, you know, team is an Executor. So I'm glad to see, a, you know, an alternate form for it. I'm, you know, it, not an evolution, an alternate form. And I'm, I'm kind of digging it. It makes sense that, you know, in a more tropical climate that it has the ability to grow to a palm tree. I mean, it'll, it already looked like a palm tree, you know, like a short, fat, stubby palm tree. And now it's a lot more reflective of, you know, the Hawaiian culture or the Alolan culture. So, you know, I like it. I like it. It's not the, not the best design of, uh, <laughs> of the, of the redesigned Alolan forms of the original 150, but it makes sense in my opinion, so I'm digging it. So moving on, uh, they unveiled a few things that uh, Mario After Party and myself have been speculating upon, you know, recently, uh, and that would be the right of the island challenge. Uh, to go a little bit into it, I had a conversation with Mario After Party in which I didn't think there were gym leaders in this game. Um, because there were only four islands and it just seemed odd that they would have two gym leaders per island. But I think, you know, if I'm correct, this will, this will explain a little bit more of, of my thought process. So the right of the island challenge. So the island challenge, one aspect of the unique culture that has developed in the Alola region is the island challenge, an adventurous right that involves traveling through each of the four islands. This event helps young people grow into fine Pokemon trainers. As the main character of Pokemon Sun and Moon, you yourself are destined to attempt the Island Challenge. The first, uh, the first thing they have here is the Island Trials. To complete the Island Challenge, young trial goers must overcome the trials in store on each of the four islands. These trials are not limited to battling with Pokemon. They take a variety of forms such as finding items or completing tests of knowledge. You will not be able to accomplish them with ordinary methods. And then we have our totem Pokemon. You want to go ahead and read the totem Pokemon description? Totem Pokemon. At the end of each trial, a mighty Pokemon known as a totem Pokemon will be waiting. A totem Pokemon is much larger than others of its species, and its body is enveloped in a special aura. And if you watch the trailer, you will see a gumshoes that is enveloped in that aura, indicating that it is going to be one of the totem Pokemon that you have to defeat. When totem Pokemon battle, they summon ally Pokemon to join them. With the support of these allies, the totem Pokemon become even more powerful, and it seems that Pokemon other than totem Pokemon sometimes can call on allies to aid them. So basically, when you're fighting a totem Pokemon, it's going to call on other Pokemon to help it. And its allies will call on allies to help them as well on occasion. So you're going to have to fight um, probably 
a few Pokemon if you want to defeat the totem Pokemon. I like how they show this in the trailer. In the trailer, when you get when they get to this part, you know, you see the the gumshoes uh, covered in the aura, and it calls a Yongoose to uh, aid it in battle. So SOS battles, they they're pretty cool in my opinion. Uh, definitely a new take on a uh, on battling. Uh, so it essentially makes a battle like a two on one. Uh, we I don't think we've really ever seen a two on one scenario that didn't start as a double battle. So I think that's cool. And finally, we have Grand Trials. The final trial on each island is called the Grand Trial. It is a Pokemon battle against the Kahuna who leads that island. If a trial goer succeeds in clearing the Grand Trial, he or she will publicly be recognized as having cleared all of the island's trials and can move on to the next island. So we know about the right of the island challenge. We know what it is. Uh, so now we have to talk about who holds these trials? Who is in charge of these trials? And that would be the trial captains. Um, we're going to go ahead and read this, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. So trial captains. Each trial has a captain whose role is to provide guidance to trial goers. All of the captains are trainers who undertook the trials in their own island challenge a few years earlier. So Mara After Party, go ahead and give us the description for Miss Lana. All right, um, so Lana is a captain who is an expert with water-type Pokemon. She is dedicated to her family and is a reliable older sister who watches over her younger sisters. Um, and her appearance, obviously, she's decked out in blue, and she's holding some sort of uh, fishing rod, and uh, she's going to be probably the equivalent of a gym leader, although there are only four trial captains, one for each island. Um, I'm not really sure how they're going to do the the gyms this time around, but, I mean, you have a, a theory on that. I do. So before we go ahead and talk about the, the next few uh, trial captains, I don't think there's going to be gym leaders in this game. I think we're going to battle the trial captains. Um so that would be four trainers, half of the people you would need to be in a standard Pokemon game. But we've already talked about how at the end of each right of the island challenge, you have to battle the Kahuna of the island, who is, you know, the patriarch or matriarch of the island. So I think the trial captains are like gym leaders. We'll, 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 I think the trial captains will perform the same function as gym leaders and Kahunas will also perform that same function so that you still have a grand total of eight. Um, it's a nice take on the gym leader, the, you know, the classic gym leader storyline that we've always had in Pokemon games. It's just a new twist, you know? It would seem like the trial captain is somewhat of a protege of the Kahuna, who is the main leader of that island. So, I mean... It makes sense with what you're saying. If if that's true, then you're still going to get eight badges. You're just going to get one for each captain, one for each kahuna. So um, I think that's, that's really um, crazy that they're pretty much um, changing the, the gym leader aspect to this game. But, you know, with most of the changes that I've seen so far, I like it. 
I agree. I, I think with a game like Pokemon, you always run the risk of becoming stale. This is, you know, we're we're in our twentieth year of the franchise. I mean, you have to you have to start making changes. You have to you have to come up with a new hook every game. You know, a lot of people don't like the gimmicks, but they're they're kind of essential. You need the gimmicks. You need to change things up. So, with that said, our next trial captain is Mallow. Uh, Mallow's a little cutie with green hair. You know, nice little short shorts on. Uh, Mallow is an expert with grass-type Pokemon. She loves cooking, but it seems that sometimes her taste is a bit particular. Uh, again, to go on with the, the gym leader theory that the trial captains are, it seems like each trial captain specializes in a certain type of Pokemon uh, the same way that a gym leader specializes in a certain type. So we, of the two we've seen so far, we've got a water-type gym leader and we have a grass-type gym leader. So that kind of just falls in line with my theory. Uh, yeah. So and then the third trial captain, specializing in electric type Pokemon, Captain Sophocles. Sophocles is good with mechanics and has invented various machines. Uh, all you need to know about Captain Sophocles is that he is a fat redheaded otaku who wears lederhosen capris. Moving on. <laughs> wait, wait. We can't just move on for that. I love his shirt, dude. The Game Boy with the link cable attached to it. You cannot overlook that, bro. And the Pikachu scarf. No. The Pikachu scarf, really? Come on. Come on, man. He, he's he got fat boy swag. I mean, that, that Pikachu scarf is like something that Zero would wear. <laughs> oh, he kind of does look like Zero with the hair and everything. <laughs> Oh, man, we shouldn't talk shit. Zero's going to come to our house and start wrecking us both in Smash. Uh, let's go to the last trial. Wait, wait, you know what? No, it doesn't seem like Zero can wreck anybody this year, so. Okay, that was a little bit, that was too far. <laughs> Whatever, that's staying in the episode, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our final trial captain is Kiawe. Kiawe is the most Hawaiian looking person I have seen thus far in the game. Uh, he legit looks like The Rock. He's got like those uh, Samoan style tattoos on his shoulder. He legit looks like The Rock with hair. If you smell what Kiawe is cooking. The reason why he's cooking is because Kiawe is a captain whose expertise is in fire type Pokemon. Together with his Marowak, he studies traditional dances that have been passed down in the Alola region. Wait, and dance is gonna whoop your ass. Wait, 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 wait. Marowak is not a fire type Pokemon, is it? Did I uh did I get lost somewhere? It's not. <laughs> Whatever. Uh definitely cool. I'm digging him. He 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 is intense, dude. Look at his face. This dude is intense. Like, like he's been hitting the gym. This dude is like the opposite of a... Uh, <laughs> of of the whole the classic Hawaiian chill motif that this game has been giving us, uh, but you know he does look like a uh, you know those fire spinners. He 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 kind of gives off the vibe of one of those like you know the dancers that perform at the luau with the yeah the that's I I didn't think of that but that is a pretty good connection. So he he is legit man he is looking legit. All right and finally. We have our kahunas. After party. 
Go ahead and give us the description for the Kahunas and right. Hala. The Kahunas lead each island. Each of Lola's four islands has a leader called the island Kahuna, who governs the island. Kahunas are chosen by the Pokemon known as Guardian Deities, which are also found on each island. Hala, Hala is the Kahuna of Mele Mele Island, where you have just moved to, and is also your rival Hao's grandfather. His skill is renowned in the Alola region. He gives you your first partner Pokemon and expects great things from you. So, I'm I'm digging this. I'm digging how like enthralled this game is with the overall Hawaiian culture. Uh, you know, I'm and I can't wait to see what the other Kahuna's are. I can't wait to see them. Uh, we know we you know we we've had glimpses of of a uh, Hala, so unfortunately you know nothing new that we haven't seen, but uh, definitely. Knowing his role within the game is definitely cool. It seems like uh, with every trailer, we get a little bit more about Hala. So, digging it. All right, guys. So, now that we've run through the Pokemon, we've run through the, uh, the, the island rights, it's time to talk about some new features. Uh, with the first one being Z-Moves. And before I even read the description for Z-Moves, I just want to say that last episode, I completely called it. Uh, last episode, for those who are new to the show, and as a reminder to those who, who listen, I said that Z-moves were the equivalent of Synergy Bursts in Pokemon Tournament. Um, and that's legit what it seems like. So, without further ado, let's introduce the Z-moves. A new element that has been introduced into Pokemon battles in Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon, Z-Moves. Z-Moves are moves of great power that can only be used once per battle. When the trainer and Pokemon wishes to resonate with each other, both release their full power together. The result is the explosive force, the explosive force of a Z-Move. All Pokemon can use Z-Moves to perform mightily in battle. Okay, so this is kind of a, you know, as much as I said it is a take on uh, Synergy from Pokemon Tournament, it's also a new spin on uh, Mega Evolutions. It doesn't appear that Mega Evolutions are coming back in this uh, iteration of Pokemon. Um, but, you know, Mario After Party, you had an argument as to why you did not like uh, Mega Evolution in the previous uh, generation. Yeah, I know it was popular, but I felt it was broken um, primarily because not every Pokemon could use it. So it just became like a matter of, you know, you had to have, of all the Pokemon that could use it, you had to have at least one of them in your team if you wanted to be competitive because they made those Pokemon so powerful. So then it just became a matter of like, well, you got to have this list of Pokemon if, if you want to um, be competitive and, because uh, if you're if you have a team that you can't mega evolve, you're going to be at a disadvantage. I think it broke the game, but well, know, not just that, but they also added primal forms for Groudon and Kyogre, um, which basically perform the same function as Mega Evolution, which essentially meant that you could have two Pokemon on your team that could 
essentially Mega Evolve. You could have your Pokemon that Mega Evolved, and you could have, you know, a Primal Kyogre or a Primal uh, Groudon, and they could, you know, you know, assume their Primal forms and become super OP as well. In this version, it's a little more unpredictable because any Pokemon can use a Z-move. And even though that you know the Pokemon has to have a crystal uh, held in its item slot to use a Z move, you're never really going to know um, which Pokemon your your opponent is going to give that crystal to. So you can always change up the strategy within your team um, in each match without actually having to change your team because you can give the crystal to a different Pokemon, um, and that you know each. Obviously, each crystal, um, you, you have a crystal for each type. So if you have a Pokemon that knows, you know, a water move, um, then you can give it a water crystal to perform the water Z move. At least that's how I understand it. Yeah, I, I fall along the same lines as how I, I feel that works. Um, you know, the real reason I like the Z moves is, like I said, I'm a big fan of Pokemon Tournament and uh synergy synergy bursts are such a key element to that game um even though it's kind of used to perform the same function of a super attack in your standard fighting games like street fighter and mortal kombat killer instinct and all those classic 2d fighting games what i like about it is is that it gives you know pokemon that you know have no mega evolution uh an ability to keep up with like Mega Evolve Pokemon within the battle, at least within the confines of Pokemon Tournament. Z-moves seem to do exactly that, um, give, you an, give you a way to compete with Pokemon that can either Mega Evolve, if Mega Evolution does come back into the into Pokemon Sun and Moon, which I, you know, I have a feeling that it will come back. I just felt like they spent so much time building it up as a key element for Pokemon X and Y that and Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, that they just don't toss away that mechanic. Um, yeah, and there is going to be a third-party peripheral released for uh, Pokemon's uh, Sun and Moon. It's going to be released by Tomy International. It'll be a Z-Ring that you can use. And if you're watching the video, Nice One has um, a similar bracelet that was used for X and Y, which was a, a Japan-only Mega Evolution bracelet. If you want to Go ahead and talk about that. All right. So if you're watching the video version, what I have in my hands is a mega bracelet or mega uh, band, mega ring. So there is an arcade game called uh, Pokemon Batrio. Batrio uh, and, it, you know, it's a very basic Pokemon arcade game, but it does feature functions like battling and whatnot. So just bear with me. I'm going to pop this thing open. So the way the game works is you have your NFC uh, chip, mine is of Blaziken, and you have your Mega Ring. So the way it works is you would slot this NFC chip into the arcade cabinet. Uh, you take your Mega Bet, and uh, each, just like in you know the main Pokemon game, you have you know your uh, your stones for Mega Evolution. So I have a Blaziken. I would need a Blazikenite stone. What I would do is I would put it in this upper slot right here. 
and plop it in, press the button. See if I can get this to work on cam. There it goes. And you hear the noise, Mega Evolution is complete. In the arcade game, my Pokemon, my, my Blaziken has now Mega Evolved into Mega Blaziken. So that's how this works. That worked exclusively in, uh, in that arcade game, Pokemon Patrio. Now we have the Z-Ring, also made by Takara Tomy, who made the Mega Band. And what they do is you don't have to go searching for the uh, Z-Crystals within the game. If you have a corresponding Z-Crystal with a Pokemon that can use whatever type of attack you want to use, through NFC, uh, through the NFC capable uh, crystals and bracelet, put it up to the the new 3DS or probably the the hockey puck accessory that they did for the older 3DSs, and basically unleashes your uh, your Z move. So that's very cool. And what I like about this is, first off, when I saw that a, a, a Japanese arcade Pokemon game had like functionality with a bracelet i thought that was cool that's why i bought this i know that i'll never get a chance to play that game here in the states but i thought it was cool i wish they had come and i'm glad that they're bringing that functionality to pokemon sun and moon now but on top of that i like what it does pokemon go the brilliance the brilliant thing about pokemon go is that that game is truly interactive you interact with people, you interact with the environment, and you interact with the Pokemon game in ways you never have before. And to further that, we're also getting the uh, Pokemon Go Plus accessory, also a wristband, and that will perform functions for you as well. So what Takara Tomy is doing by you know releasing a Z-Ring for you to wear and use within the game, that's very cool because it it takes the interactive elements that we are now becoming accustomed to within the Pokemon series, and it's bringing that into the main series of Pokemon games. That is, that is something that goes much further than anything that they have done in, in the previous iterations of Pokemon to expand upon the community aspect and the interaction within the game. Normally, you just play a game. Now you're interacting with the game by using you know, even, you know, it's an, it's an accessory. You don't need it to enjoy the game, but you may find that you have more enjoyment with the game because you have now become more interactive with the game. And that is, that is something that cannot be measured, you know, in sales. That is something that can only be measured in the experience of the user. And I'm very pleased to see something like this, make it into the main series. Like the main series needed more shakeups, you know, They've always managed to stay ahead of the curb and revitalize the franchise through smaller incremental upgrades. We're starting to see in Pokemon Sun and Moon that they are making large upgrades. We have like this upgraded gym leader system. We have this interaction with a with an accessory. You know, we have the upgraded battle systems that they've come out with for this new game. They have made leaps and bounds of changes, and this is going to possibly be the best iteration of any main series Pokemon game. And I'm truly excited to, to you know, dive right into this game, you know, get a Z-Ring of my own, 
use it within the game and experience that. Hey, is the um, is this a third-party peripheral? Yes, it's being made by Takata Tomi. Uh, they have the master toy license for the the Pokemon franchise worldwide. So any Pokemon items that you're seeing as far as toys uh, are made by Takata Tomi. You know, just to add on to what you said, I am really glad that they are adding uh, peripherals for these games. Um, you know, although I really hope that when they come out with the Z ring, um, that it's not delayed like the Pokemon Go Plus is because I think that it could be a really um, popular um, accessory for the game. And they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit with um, the delay of the Pokemon Go Plus, especially since the the peak number of active users for Pokemon Go um, might be significantly less by the time we get to September. And... Um, Although, while I am really excited about the Pokemon Go Plus uh, peripheral, I'm not um, as excited about the the Z Ring. Not because it's not a bad, pro it's not a good product. I just, you know, I'm not. I, I don't think I'm going to end up buying the Z Ring. But I think it's good that they are making it, and I think it's really good that they're supporting these games with these peripherals. Um, and I just hope that it's it comes out on time with Sun and Moon so that people can buy it uh, alongside the game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that's the, the benefit of this being made by a toy manufacturer rather than being uh, made by Nintendo. Um, although, to be fair, you know, the reason for the delay on the Pokemon Go Plus, or at least the reason that was given, was so that the app could be updated in order to further support the Pokemon Go Plus. Still, you know, it hurts to see another Nintendo product delayed. That always hurts. I mean, but, you know, it's something I've gradually found myself becoming accustomed to. Uh, you know, never really happy about it. But, I, you know, I, that's the benefit of this being made by uh, Tomy and, you know, them being a third-party manufacturer. And not only that, but them being an actual toy manufacturer. I mean, they make great toys. I mean... If you've seen the new line of Pokemon action figures that they've released, they are phenomenal. Like this Pikachu right here on the desk, if you're watching the video version, is made by Tomy. It's one of the coolest things I have. Uh, I love it. And you know, I really dig the Z-Ring. It's a functionality that I'm glad that's here, uh, especially in lieu of Amiibo support, because since this will be using the NFC capabilities of the 3DS and the new 3DS, I, uh, I think that Amiibo will fall to the wayside. Uh, it kind of makes sense. I mean, it sucks because, like, you know, Amiibo are awesome, and a Pokemon line of Amiibo would be extra awesome. Um, it does make sense, seeing as how the Pokemon company is technically a second-party developer for Nintendo, Nintendo owning, you know, a majority share in the company but not wholly outright owning the company. Um, they are really the Pokemon company as a whole has a lot of say-so. They can say whether or not they want Amiibo. In fact, it is really hard to get the Pokemon company to allow Amiibo support of the existing Pokemon uh, Amiibo that exists now. Um, they only have functionality with two games, uh, Mario Maker and... Uh, I'm sorry, Mario Maker, Pokemon Tournament, and... Uh, 
sorry, three games and Smash. So you have three games out of the entire Amiibo compatible lineup of video games that can use the actual Pokemon Amiibo. So I'm digging it. I'm glad that there's some kind of Amiibo in quotation marks functionality with uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon. You know, we speculated that when they unveiled Pokemon Sun and Moon, what kind of NFC capabilities they would have. Uh, was hoping for more of an Amiibo thing, but I will gladly take the Z-Ring because I'm digging it. And I'm going to, if you're watching the video version, again, I am flashing, you know, all these images of the device on the screen. So that's all the Pokemon Sun and Moon talk, though. Uh, definitely saw some cool things in this in this uh, little episode that we have right now as far as Pokemon Sun and Moon. Mario After Party, what is your favorite thing about uh, these reveals for Pokemon Sun and Moon? Uh, the Alola Ninetales. <laughs> I'm digging it. I'm digging. It. I'm actually. I'm digging the Z moves, man. I'm like that's you know, as much as I. I'm. I'm happy for the throwbacks to the uh, original 150 Pokemon with the Alolan forms. Z moves are awesome because the same reason synergy bursts are awesome in Pokemon tournament. So guys, those are our quick thoughts. We're gonna take a real quick break. And when we come back, we're going to give you a quick rundown of where we are in week four in Pokemon Go. So we'll be right back. It's time to go. Alongside me, the man of the show, nice one, Matt A3. And we're going to go into our stats for the one month mark of Pokemon Go and also go into a brief analysis of uh, where the game is, you know, with all the updates that have been going on and kind of talk about where we would like it to go as far as the features that haven't uh, come out yet. So, nice one, take it away. All right, guys. So, as we should already know if you're watching the video version you're gonna see that i had a quick little wardrobe change and since we're talking about pokemon go i gotta rock the team instinct custom cap that i'm rocking right at this moment so team instinct all the way baby so let's go into my stats i am currently at level 24 so i've had a smaller, you know, upgrade in my trainer level since the last time we were on the show. Uh, my strongest Pokemon, let me just pull up my CP, is my Vaporeon at 1896. Uh, it's currently maxed out at the level that I'm at, so got a little bit more boosting to do. Uh, my second strongest Pokemon is a Executor at 1858. Uh, not, not a real powerhouse, but, uh, it definitely gets the job done. 
Uh, I am currently a gym leader at two gyms, both being occupied by Vaporeons. After party, where are you looking at for the uh, the one month mark? So I'm also level 24. Um, my strongest Pokemon is a level uh, 2192 Snorlax, um, followed by an Executor, 2032 CP. Um, right now I've got four gyms, um, but last night I, I had 11, which is the most I have ever taken over. Um, I just went on a rampage and, uh, you know, I had some help from a a fellow instinct player as well. So I can't take all the credit, but, um, (laughs) so, uh, you know, death spur, thank you very much. But, uh, you know, you can only collect on um 10 gyms so even if you you can take more than 10 but if you know it's only going to give you uh coins and stardust for the the first 10 that you take but um but yeah so uh that's that's where i'm at in the game um as far as uh you know things that have been going on with it i like one of the changes that I really still am waiting for that I thought would already be implemented at this time, trading. So I am a little disappointed that we're not able to trade yet. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I know they're still working on the worldwide release. Uh, still hasn't been released in Brazil yet. Um, some tricky scenarios going on with why it hasn't been released in Brazil yet. <clears throat> they haven't really explained too much as to why. Uh, a feature that I want... And I know the game is all about getting you out and about, meeting new people, going to new places, and doing new things. But I would really want them to add more functionality when you're at home, you know, sitting still. Uh, The reason I want this is because uh, I finally caught an Electabuzz and, you know, by the time I caught it, I had spent the whole day out and about. I was tired. It was time to go home. So I didn't really get to test out my Electabuzz at a gym. Um, so what I would like for them to implement into this game is some sort of trainer hub, you know, a, lo- a, a predetermined location set by you, the player, that would allow you to test out your Pokemon, you know, do some practice battles. The same you, the same way you would do if you were building prestige uh, in a gym that corresponds to your team, I would like for you to be able to train within the confines of a place that, that you have, you the player have predetermined. Uh, it's just something that I think the game needs because, you know, there are times where, like, I really want to play the game um, I'm just not able to because I'm at home and I don't feel like going back out. I mean, although since the release of this game, I completely find myself wanting to go back out. Even, you know, as we sit here on the precipice of, you know, one month w- with the game, I still find myself completely enthralled by the game. Like, you know, my thoughts on the game are just as, you know, just as high as when the game was first released. I have not found myself bored at all um and i continuously find myself in places that i've never been before i have lived in the same city for 14 years and i have never explored it as much as i have um and i gotta you know shout outs to niantic for making that happen like i actually picked 
the place where my wife, my fiance and I are going to get married because we found it yesterday while we were playing Pokemon Go. We found the place that we determined that's where we want to have our wedding. We hadn't yet come to, you know, we hadn't even thought of ideas of where we would like to have the wedding until we went to a, a very nice park yesterday and and it was beautiful. It was a very beautiful park. And, you know, while we sat there, we enjoyed the scenery and we played the game. We were like, this would be a nice place to have our wedding. And we kind of decided on that that spot because of this game. So this game, like I, I've said it before multiple times, this game has brought me and my fiance much closer. Uh, that still stands. And it's really added to my enjoyment of this game it's 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 expounded upon it it's it's made it better so i'm really really still having a ton of fun with this game and i still haven't caught every pokemon oh i think something we forgot to mention as in our stats is how many pokemon we've caught up to this point oh that's right go ahead i have caught 121 out of 123 pokemon seen all right i have um, caught 114 now. I have improved my numbers greatly. I know I was lagging behind there for a while, so um, you know I'm I'm starting to catch up. Um, I would agree with you. I I'm still having you know a blast with the game. Uh, I have taken a day or two here and there off just because you know every now and then I get a little bit burnt out. As have I. So I I have been taking breaks uh, occasionally for a day or two on this game. But I am still really enjoying it. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. Like, it's, I have nothing but uh, positive reviews for uh, how this game is continuing to develop. You know, there, there still are a few more changes that I just want to go over real quick. Um, the ability to battle trainers one-on-one, I think, is also important. Um, I do like your idea with, with being able to, you know, train your Pokemon. Because I've also wanted to test out um, certain Pokemon just because either I got a new type of Pokemon or I got a, a Pokemon with different moves and I wanted to compare it and you know I didn't feel like leaving my house so that would be nice but it would also be nice just to be able to um, fight somebody one-on-one your best six versus their best six and that would definitely enhance uh, the battling aspect of the game um, and then along with with uh, battling Obviously, you know, if, if you like taking over gyms, you already know that uh, you have probably had a serious potion shortage because the only way you can get potions in the game is through Pokestops. And Pokestops don't give them to you every time. And when they do, they give them to you one or two at a time. So it can be challenging. And I really hope that they um, have designated Pokestops in the game that are Poke Centers where you can heal your Pokemon for free. Um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be every Pokestop. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with, you know, only having maybe, you know, four or five in, in the city that I live in. It's just it would be nice to not have to use potions to heal my Pokemon every single time I go out in battle because I am I'm just going through potions so quickly that it's been hindering my ability to go and, and take over gyms um, or build prestige. And uh, I really hope that um, that is implemented along with just, you know, I want to be able 
to be to battle you, nice one. I want to be able to take my Pokemon and be like, yo, it's it's time to see who is the best. <laughs> yeah, to expound upon what you said, I have 15 fainted Pokemon because today I had enough of this very specific Team Valor gym. Um, it's close to where my fiance works, so whenever I take her to work, that gym is there. And I constantly take that gym over. The other day, though, she had a couple consecutive days off, hadn't been to that gym in a while. When I went back today, it was level 10. Valor. And I said, no, you cannot have this gym. It will be instinct. It is currently still team instinct because i sat down and not only did i take this level 10 gym down by myself with no help me and my team but i then went on to build the prestige so that it was a level six gym by myself on my own with my team so i sat outside of my fiance's job for an hour taking down the gym and building up the prestige. And once the prestige was built up, more Team Instinct players who maybe happen to be driving by the area, they drop their Pokemon off and it is a Team Instinct gym. And that's the way it's gonna stay. So shots fired, Tampa Valor teams. <laughs> um, also, I gotta put this out there, unfortunately. Um, so last night I was doing some poker hunting uh, behind the zoo where I live and the gym started to, the gym in the zoo started to change um, teams. And I was like, how is that possible? And you know, um, someone that I was poker hunting with last night said, well, there might be a security guard in the gym or, or zoo or, you know, in the zoo or uh, other employees that are just there late. And I was like, yeah, maybe that's it. But um, as it turns out, uh, somebody in one of the Facebook groups that I'm in said that they had seen some Valor players jump the fence and break into the zoo so that they could change that gym. Now, you know, that's stupid because right now, Pokemon Go players have a pretty good reputation of being you know, not of not being troublemakers. When when we're out and we're polka hunting at two o'clock in the morning, the police are not looking at us suspiciously right now because we're not causing trouble. You know, they know that okay, we're just out playing Pokemon, so you know, we don't we don't need to worry about these people walking around at two in the morning so much because now they know that the game has been out for a month, it's not so suspicious. But if you do things like that, if you are breaking into places late at night, like a zoo, so you can take a gym, you're going to give Pokemon Go players a bad name. You're going to give them a bad reputation, and you're going to change the way that police officers look at you. When you are running around at night at 2 in the morning, they're not going to be thinking, oh, it's just Pokemon Go players. They're going to be thinking, all right, what are these kids going to do next? Are they going to try to break into this zoo or are they going to try to break into this theme park because they want to take the gyms in there now i got to be on on the lookout maybe i should you know 
make sure, maybe I should tell them that they can't play in this area. You don't want that to happen. You do not want to give the community a bad name because you decided to take a gym at two in the morning. And if you think you're smart because, oh, well, I'm not going to get caught. Well, guess what, dumbass? Your gamer tag is still in the gym when you leave. So if that gym changes at two o'clock in the morning and you get, you break into that zoo and you break out of that zoo without getting caught, guess what? You know, someone can take your gamer tag down and hand it over to the police and the police can hand it over to Google and then they can find out your information and you're still going to get caught. So it's stupid. Don't break into places late at night because you want to take a gym. It's not worth it. You know, and, and to go even further, you're jeopardizing your own safety. I, you know, we, we've said it multiple times since the release of this game, you know, enjoy well, the game safely. I mean, think if you want to break you, there, there are wild animals in the zoo, you're, you're just, you know, hop the wrong fence. You just entered the tiger pit. Right. Well, if you want to, you know, do something as stupid as breaking into a zoo at night, I don't care about your safety. You break your <laughs> That's on you. That's your fault. So safety is not even one of my concerns right now. It is the fact that you are ruining it for the rest of the Pokemon Go players out there. And that's why we can't have nice things because people want to break to a zoo. You know, to go even further upon that, uh, unfortunately, Tampa made national news from Pokemon Go. Uh, there is a there is an amazing spot here in Tampa uh, called Ballast Point. It is it is a uh, it is a park just outside of Bayshore. Um, it overlooks the beach. It has it has its own pier, its own restaurants. It's a very, you know, it's it's part of a community. You know, like there's there's houses and apartment complexes that surround it. There's a horse riding trail. Uh, it's very very nice, calm, peaceful place. It's a nice place to go hang out and. What not a, uh, unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for Pokemon Go players, this place is an amazing nesting ground for Pokemon. Uh, and it's not just like one type of Pokemon. I mean, it overlooks the water, but you will f you will you walk in there, especially if you're a newer player. Let's say you have twenty Pokemon on your Pokedex, you're gonna walk out of there with fifty to sixty brand new Pokemon just from this one location it's it's the best spot in all of tampa um unfortunately though the city has uh gone out and filled out the form to, uh for you know for niantic to have it removed as you know as a poke stop and as a location where po pokemon will pop up uh because in the month since this game has come out ballast point uh, has not had a 100% increase. It's actually had, <laughs> it's actually had a 400% increase in population that will go to this park now. That is significantly different. You know, you 400 times the the growth. That many visitors, and I, I kid you not, it is packed when you go people are fighting for parking people are illegally parking uh they're making it hard for the people who live within that community to come and go because they're parking not on the side of the road 
not in the designated parking spaces. They're actually parking in the middle of the road. They're stopping their cars, they're parking, and they're leaving for significant amounts of time. Uh, the reason that we made national news, though, is because uh, because this place is such a hot breeding grounds for Pokemon, uh, people were at the park after hours. You know, most parks here in Tampa close at sundown. You know, we live in Florida. Sundown is like 8 o'clock at night here, especially in the summer. It can get, get up to like 9.30 before the sun goes down. You know, it's one of the one of the best things about living in Florida is that we have beautiful weather and, you know, lots of sunlight. You know, we're the Sunshine State for a reason. You know, sun goes down, park is closed. Over 150 Pokemon Go players remained at the park after hours. You know, now this park gets fenced in when it closes. So they were hopping the fence and playing Pokemon. Uh, police found out about it. You know, they came, they broke it up. You know, for, you know, everybody, once the police came and said leave, you know, everybody got in their cars and they left, with the exception of one player who refused to leave. And, you know, as the cops got a little bit more forceful with him, he decided it would be a great idea to shove a police officer. And the police officer's response was to tase him. And that is why Tampa made national news because we had an aggressive Pokemon player get tased. I don't want to hear stories like this from my city, guys. Like, I don't. Like, the Pokemon community is vast, and if we are in a great moment of acceptance right now. Like, the game is, you know, Pokemon Go is so popular that this is the most widely accepted video game that I can even remember it it's it's bigger than mario you know when can you say a game is bigger than mario you can you can almost never say that and everybody's playing parents are playing children are playing young adults are playing teenagers are playing like this has a wide user base and right now the community does have a good name but stories like you know the one that mario after party detailed and the one i detailed they're not good stories they're not and not to pick on any one team but the incident at ballast point in tampa and the incident last night at the zoo it, they were both done by valor players so valor you need to get your shit together whatever you need to do to tell your team to you know not be doing dumb shit in your little message boards and your facebook groups pull it together and i'm you know i'm sure that there are mystic and instinct players you know, out there who are also think that they can uh, get away with uh, breaking an entry too. And, and, you know, ultimately what I'm trying to say is don't be that guy or that girl that thinks, you know, that the Pokemon go is, is more important than following the law because it's not. And you're going to give the game and the players who play it a bad name and we don't want that reputation. We want to continue um, the positive stories about how Pokemon Go is is bringing people together and and you know doing more good uh, for this world. So you know, get your shit together. Absolutely. So guys, that's our that's our Pokemon Go PSA. Uh, you know, you know, be smart, be safe, 
enjoy the game. Don't 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 abuse the game. But that being said, the game did get some changes, man. Uh, some of these changes I'm a little salty about. Some of these changes I'm extraordinarily happy about. Um, so, Bulbapedia, which is a great resource for any budding Pokemon trainer, you definitely got to check out Bulbapedia. Uh, they have a full uh, list of uh, changes for both the iOS version and the Android version. We are currently on, uh, if you're on Android, we're currently on 0.31.0. iOS users are on 0.31.1. Um, they got a slight little modification after the last revision. Um, so here are the major changes that took place on uh, July 30th. My favorite feature right off the bat, avatars can now be re-customized from the trainer profile screen. Okay, so when I picked my clothes, I picked all orange, not knowing that I was going to be on Team Mystic right away. I'm Inst sorry, to Instinct. I'm sorry, not knowing I was going to be on Team Instinct right away. So I decked myself out in all orange. Uh, after I picked my team, I wanted to change my clothes. I was like, oh, I want to, you know, and this comes a lot from Pokemon Tournament. You know, Pokemon Tournament has an abundance of customizations for, you know, your avatar. It's just something I always want. In any video game where I have that much control over my character, I want to customize them. I want them to be as reflective to my personality and my style as much as possible. So soon as I found out about this update, changed my clothes, rocking all instinct gear. Outside of that, uh, they adjusted the battle move damage values for some Pokemon. Uh, the Pokemon that took the biggest hit was Vaporeon. Well, it needed to. It was a, a little OP. It's still, it's still a little OP. But um, well, yeah, because uh, what's it called? Hydro Pump, which is you know the uh, the special move that my Vaporeon has, went from forty to ninety. Uh, so it got a significant overhaul. But it, you know, you don't use your special attacks that often because they, you know, you have to fill the gauges. Well, and they were too slow. By the time you used your special move, you could have done more damage by just continuing to use your quick move. So I'm glad that they increased the power of the special moves and, and altered some of the uh, damage per second for all the other moves. But um, I really, you know, I was um, battling Vaporeons in gyms with Jolteons that were higher CP than the Vaporeons and still losing. Like, that should not happen. Especially, no. you know, if, if you have a type advantage, you really, you should always win. I mean, even if you're, if you're not as powerful, you should still be winning. And in this game, they have made Vaporeon, uh, well, I don't know if they've made Vaporeon too strong, but they've made Jolteon and Flareon way too weak. And they need to make some of these other Pokemon strong enough to, to make up for that. And I think, really, the, what they need to do is just, instead of having the type difference be um, a 1.25 multiplier just go to times two like it is in in the main series well i don't think it's just vaporeon i think the majority of of viable water pokemon in pokemon go are a little op you mean lapras yes that's true lapras um is a difficult pokemon to defeat um slow bro can be difficult or slow slow poke, excuse me, can be difficult sometimes as well. 
Yep. Moving forward. This is one. This is something. It's subtle, but I really like it. They refined uh, certain gym animations, so the the gym battles look a little bit smoother. And when you win or lose against the gym, the victory screen is a lot more celebratory or you know hang your head down in shame type moment. So I like that. Uh, they improved some of the memory issues of the game. Now there were some things here that uh. Let's go ahead. We'll talk about the thing that bugs me. Instead of uh, correcting the three-step glitch, they removed the functionality of it entirely, thus making it much harder to find Pokemon, especially when you see that silhouette. You don't have that Pokemon, and now you don't even know which direction to travel in anymore. Well, it's because that they, uh, they're going to change the three-step um, tracking method entirely. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to bring in something closer to to Ingress as far as how you're going to be able to find these Pokemon, but they're going to revamp the whole thing and make it better. So in that sense, um, I'm kind of glad that they've done away with it because we did need something that was a little bit more specific on telling you where the Pokemon was. Um, even though the you know when the when the three step tracking method was was working, it it wasn't specific enough. So I'm glad that they're changing that, and that's one change that um, I think is going to be really good for the game. Hopefully, uh, we get it soon. Um, but I know I think they're still trying to release it in Brazil, so I don't know how soon we're really going to get that. Yeah, another function they removed was the uh, the the map functionality, uh, particularly when it pertains to where you've caught a specific Pokemon. It used to show you where you caught that Pokemon. That has been removed. Uh, you know that guy who got caught cheating because of Pokemon Go is really mad that this uh, <laughs> that this function wasn't removed while he was still dating his actual girlfriend. Because uh, I don't know if you guys heard that story. Guy got caught cheating because his girlfriend went through his phone and not because she was scrolling through his text messages, but because she saw on the map where he was catching Pokemon, and it was right next to his ex-girlfriend's house. And what? You, yeah. She went through his phone, checked where he was catching Pokemon, and found that he had caught a bunch of Pokemon right next to his ex-girlfriend's house. Oh, wow. That is hilarious. <laughs> so you know this guy is a little peyote at Niantic right now. Come on, you remove it now? What the hell? Uh, so they modified the battle damage calculation. I, I, ha that's, I haven't really noticed this one so much. Uh, various bug fixes were, were done. Uh, minor text, but I think by far my, my second favorite uh, uh, change in the update was the, the upgraded medals when you unlock achievements oh yeah so much better so much so yeah guys uh this last update was a pretty hefty one uh and you know ios users got a another update actually you guys got the 0.31.1 which was supposed to increase the uh performance improvement in pokemon details and list screens and correct the link for app upgrade so Extra little uh, iOS fix there. Uh, 
is it I don't know maybe it's because I have an Android device I've noticed that the iOS devices have a uh, they've had more uh, software fixes than the uh, the Android they've had at least two fixes uh, they had the 0 0.292 and now you guys have the 0 0.31.1 I mean, they're never like major like things. It's it just seems to be stuff that's specific to iOS. Yeah. So guys, that's it. That's that's our Pokemon Go uh, rundown. You know, we said a little bit more there than we anticipated, but it all needed to definitely be said. So before we let you go, we gotta hit you up with these social media links. You can hit us up on Twitter at nice1983 and at Mario After Party. You can hit us up by email, thesplatzones at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash nice1983 slash game collecting. Go ahead and check out the website, nice1983.wix.com slash game collecting. Uh, if you're a fan of the Splat Zones, you can always listen to new episodes on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, and you can watch the video versions here on YouTube. Definitely watch the video version for this episode because there is some cool stuff in this video. And if you're a big fan of the music that we play here on the Splat Zones, go ahead and check out GameChops.com or search GameChops on YouTube and you can hear all the fantastic video game remixes that they provide. Mario After Party, any closing thoughts for, for, the, for the Pokemon Corner? Nope. Alright guys, I think we said all we gotta say. Mario After Party, you got anything left to say? Stay fresh. Stay fresh. Deuces. Team Instinct. captain is claw claw is the most hawaiian looking character in the game i mean he looks like the rock with hair if you smell what claw is cooking and the reason claw is cooking is because he is a fire type it's kiawe